This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. It's no secret that many Americans are financially illiterate, unable to understand basic principles of money management, including how to save, invest, and manage their money beginning in high school and continuing into retirement. To address this situation, Wharton, Dartmouth, and the RAND Corporation have established a new center dedicated to improving the financial literacy of the American public. Anna Maria Lusardi, an economics professor at Dartmouth, will lead the new center along with Olivia Mitchell, professor of insurance and risk management at Wharton, and they will be assisted by researchers from a variety of organizations. Lusardi spoke with Knowledge at Wharton about the need for financial literacy training and tools the reasons why Americans tend to be ignorant when it comes to money matters, and why it's especially important to teach financial literacy at a young age to both sexes. We are also joined by Michelle Green, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Financial Education and Financial Access at the U.S. Department of the Treasury. Anna Maria Lusardi and Michelle Green, thanks for joining us. Anna Marie, let me start with you. What specifically are Americans most ignorant about when it comes to managing their money? And just how bad is the situation? Well, according to the new financial capability survey, we found that financially literacy is widespread, meaning that uh, a lot of Americans don't know the basic concept of economics and finance. But it goes beyond uh, financial knowledge. Uh, what we also find that people are not particularly good even in their everyday management. So we find that the proportion of people, for example, um, uh, overdraw from their checking accounts. We find that uh, people are late in credit card payment and pay a lot of fees on credit card. And one alarming finding, or a finding that I found alarming, is that a lot of people don't hold a buffer stock of savings meaning they are vulnerable to the many shocks that can happen to them. Michelle, would you concur with that? Is there any one area you feel that, that the American public or consumers are most uh, ignorant of or most vulnerable? You know, I would agree with Anna that there's there's a widespread need for better financial education, and, and some of it is on very fundamental basic concepts. You know, the idea of compound interest, in that if you borrow money, you're going to pay back more. If you save money, you're going to get back more. And just having an understanding of those basic financial concepts is something that can really change behavior. And so making sure that people grasp those key concepts and understand how their behaviors influence their financial futures is really what we'd like to focus on. Okay. Um, do you think the financial crisis has made Americans more skeptical about the business community and the kind of financial advice they get from others? And has it made them realize more than ever that they need really need to, t need to take control of their own finances? Yeah, I think if we can see a silver lining in the financial crisis, it is that there is a renewed sense of people feeling that they need to understand their own finances. They need to have better behaviors, think more about the future, think more about savings. And so this is really, we look at this as really a moment for financial education and for financial capability. It, people are focused on it in a way they never have been before. And um, we have a chance here to really change behaviors and change people's lives by doing that. It's definitely a teachable moment, and that's why it's so important to be proactive. I also think that the other thing the crisis has told us and has taught us are the cost of making financial mistakes. 
Uh, and this is something we were not so acutely aware. But now we see that uh, costs can have uh, dramatic consequences. And it's important to take uh, that into account even when we think of financial education. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the skeptic of financial education say financial education is expensive. But I think the financial crisis has told that it's expensive not to do financial education. Well, what do you think is the biggest impediment to Americans uh, learning about money management? I mean, it seems to me it might be lack of time. It might be a feeling that they really don't have that much control over their money or certainly not over the economy. Um, maybe it's just fatigue at looking at all the options there are out there, all the new financial terms they feel they need to know to make any wise decisions. I mean, what, what is it that, what is the biggest impediment to, to Americans kind of jumping into this and, and, and teaching themselves? I, all of the things you have mentioned are important. And I really think that financial decisions per se are complicated and they are made more complex by the complexity of the financial markets. And we have to incorporate that and take that into account because we need to find way, first of all, to simplify information and we need to find way for people to be able to find good sources of information. And definitely time is important and that's why we need to find way to provide information when it's needed. Um, there are times where people are making decisions and we need to use those time, for example, as teachable moment to simplify those uh, decisions and maybe provide information. For example, when people are uh, filing taxes or where people are first hire. Um, you know, we, we have shifted onto individual the responsibility to make financial decisions, but I think it's very important to, to uh, understand that these are difficult decisions and find way to provide help and tools. And I think one tool which is also very important is financial literacy. And that's why we are so keen and in our work we have also shown that financial literacy has implication for financial decision and we need to make improvement uh, and we need to equip people uh, with the tools that are necessary for making good financial decisions. And I think part of the answer also has to be starting young. We need to get this into our schools. We need to make sure that, you know, students are getting credit card offers before they're old enough to drive or vote. And we have to make sure that they have the knowledge that they need to really protect their financial futures and make good decisions from a very young age and, and start inculcating these behaviors and, and this set of knowledge really, you know, very, very young. Yeah, just following up on that, Michelle, we did a recent podcast with Linda Katz, who's the founder of the Children's Literacy, Literacy Initiative, uh, who has described the U.S. education system as dire, in that it leaves an increasing number of, of children without adequate reading and, and writing skills. You're addressing a different but not unrelated problem, um, with, which is about adding financial literacy to high school curricula, because it's at that point as you would both say, that, that, that people start to learn about interest or need to start learning about interest rates, mortgages, uh, more to the point when you shouldn't take out a mortgage that you can't afford. But how can, you, how can you introduce financial literacy into high schools when the teachers themselves often aren't prepared or educated enough about this topic to pass on the knowledge to their students? Well, I would actually say you have to start younger than high school. I mean, some of the very basic concepts about needs versus wants, about you know deferred gratification, that, that saving for later can help you get something more later. I think you really need to start 
building on those concepts much earlier than high school. Um, and high school is a time where you can start getting into some of the topics that you mentioned there, which people will need as they enter their own adult lives and start taking responsibility for their own finances. Um, but the teacher issue is a huge one, and I think teacher training has to be a part of the solution. Um, you know, long term, ideally, if we could get more of this into teacher colleges, that would be terrific so that teachers feel more comfortable teaching it. Uh, but so, certainly in the near term, we need to focus on making sure teachers have um, the training that they need and the understanding of these concepts that they need in order to bring it to their students as well. And I also want to say one of the other reasons why it's so important to uh, have financial education in school is because we need to educate people before they make financial decisions and not after. But I also think it's about equality of opportunity. In our work, we found that the very small group of students who can be deemed financially literate are disproportionately white male students from college-educated families. But not everybody comes from a family that can teach financial literacy to them, and not everybody comes from you know, a family where they can uh, get the right lesson. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's very important that everybody has access to financial education, otherwise people are already starting with an equal place and an equal footing. And in this current society, if we don't give everybody this tool, we are going to create, right at the beginning, uh, inequality. Right. Is, it, is it true that women and girls are, are um, more ignorant, less financially literate than men and boys? It is so true, and uh, this is, to me, one of the topic that makes me very passionate about this uh, field. We have found wide gender differences in financial literacy in every survey we have looked at. So it's not only about the older women, it's also in the younger, modern women, and it's not just uh, in the US only. I've seen it in every survey across the world. Um, and so there is a true gender difference, and it's really true that um, women seem to be knowing less than men. And this is problematic because, you know, we, we see that women have, you know, very different needs than men, but certainly uh, a strong need for them to, to be making important financial decisions. And also we know that they are the one taking care of children. They are the one making financial decisions often for the enlarged family. And so it, it's really important to provide uh, to women the tool for making good financial decisions. And actually, to that point, um, one of the groups that I sit on as a Treasury representative is the White House Council on Women and Girls. Um, and this is an interagency council with all of the agencies of the federal government. And one of the areas of focus that they've identified is economic empowerment and financial literacy for women and girls for this very reason, because it is so critical. Do you, is it our, our is the level of financial illiteracy the same in the U.S. as it is in other developed countries, or are, are Americans even, are, are they more literate or less literate than their counterparts? Uh, it depends what you are looking at, um, whether you are looking at, for example, level or numeracy, or a more sophisticated concept, like do people know about risk diversification? Do they know about concepts like differences between stocks and bonds and so on? 
And we have done several international comparisons. And I have to say, perhaps the sad news is that financial illiteracy is widespread in other countries as well. And often other countries compare and fare even worse than the US. And one of the reasons is in the US, you know, half of the population participate in the stock market. And so maybe some of the family have acquired some experience in some of this concept uh, via the participation in the stock market and perhaps via the, the defined contribution pension. Um, other, uh, other countries, in, the family don't participate as much in the financial market. And so consequently, their knowledge of the more kind of sophisticated concept is also lacking. And that's why um, in other countries as well, there, is, there has been a lot of initiative to promote financial literacy. And I have to say, you know, this is a topic that is picked up in almost every country, not just the developed one, even the developing country are really focusing now on financial literacy programs. There have been a lot of attempts recently to better inform people about financial literacy, to teach them how to manage their 401ks, to make them more responsible. They don't seem to work particularly well. So I'm wondering how your center and how these efforts that you're undertaking are different and why you think they will succeed when a lot of other efforts really, really haven't made much progress. What we are really about is evaluating programs in addition to designing program and we think it's very important to know what works and to devote resources to what works because I think the question is now is we have a, we are shifting the responsibility to people. So I don't think it's more a question should we do or not financial education but which effective financial education program can we do? And that's why it's so important to do academic research or to do research in this topic and to evaluate the program that exists because we need to be able to devote resources efficiently. But I also think that um, one way to be effective uh, is to first listen to the needs and uh, the uh, the desires of the population. And so the approach has to be from the bottom up and has to start with listen to what are the concern and the needs of people. And that's why in our center, we have also taken a multidisciplinary approach and work with psychologists, marketing, um, sociology, and doing a lot of also empirical work and uh, in the field work and both quantitative and qualitative, which include focus group in that interview, uh, what I call it, you know, our job is to listen to people. And if we are listening effectively, we might be able to design effective program, but, you know, to understand whether they are effective or not, we need to do rigorous evaluation. Michelle, do you have, want to have a last word here? Sure, I think that point is an absolutely well taken one and really in the government we are absolutely focused on basing our policies on programs on research about what does work and making sure that what we're doing is effective. And I think related to your point there is increasing disclosures and information that people have, you know, clear, straightforward information that people have with which to make their decisions. So for example, your new credit card bill, um, you know, the Schumer box on your credit card bill which shows you what happens if I only pay the minimum, how long does it take to pay it off. How much do I have to pay if I want to pay it off more quickly? I think information like that um, can be very helpful in helping consumers make better choices. Great. Well, thank you both for coming. And I would just like to say to anyone listening that 
Uh, Anna Maria, I love your blog. It's very informative. It's very humorous. And I will put a link in this podcast so people, other people can enjoy it as well. So thank you both for coming. Thank, thank you. you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.